Hey, hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Elisa Williams, and you're listening to Honestly, You're Doing Fine.
oldest. Um, the oldest was 12. So there was 12, 9, 7, 12, 9, 6, and 2, 6 and a half and 2. I went back to work. And um, I did, you know, I, I traveled some with my job, which was a little bit more difficult on my husband. But I just had to learn that when I came home, Mm-hmm. Not to expect anything to be in its place, just that the kids were taken care of. That's hard. That was hard. Um, and then when my oldest started college in, in 2005, I started my other career, which is what I still do today, realtor. Yeah. So, um, so for 16 years, I worked two jobs and managed the house and their schedules and Mm -hmm. to make sure that they could go to college. Mona's house is pristine, by the way. Uh, Not to me. Everything. (laughs) It's all very organized, very clean. Like I have a problem walking on crumbs and there's not a single crumb on the floor. (laughs) So upkeeping a house to like a higher standard, I would say, Um, even more like being a nanny and working in houses that have housekeepers. I've always been impressed by that. So that the four kids working the two jobs, that's incredible and a lot. But do you think like when we talk about today's parents, modern parenting in a nutshell, like do you think that we are doing too much or like the expectations are higher or is it kind of the same, do you think? I think that, well, the stress level is, well, maybe not higher, but the the fact that the two incomes, you have to do the two incomes, definitely, even when they're little. Yeah. Um, I, I think that child care is, is very, very, very expensive. Yeah. And uh, hence the reason why. Wait, can you tell us how much a babysitter, if, I don't know if you ever had a babysitter come in to watch the kids, but how much did that I did when when the one of the few times that we went anywhere, I think it was like forty five dollars for a whole night. For um, like, say, my sister had a pool party. Mm -hmm. We went to the pool party, and the kids were a little older, but we had her. She came down. She was in the neighborhood. She came down to the house to watch them. It was maybe four hours. That's that's yeah, but still, that's cheap. You know, and that was very inexpensive. And then my one of my very close friends did in-home daycare, and Mm -hmm. her kids. She only charged twenty-five dollars a day per kid. Per kid. So of course, this was back when this was like okay, like let me. This was thirty years ago. Thirty years ago. Yeah. Maybe thirty-five years, or or maybe twenty-five years ago. Um and. Got and and I could drop Jacob off there when I had to go to work, and of course she wouldn't take anything from me. But you know, um, childcare wasn't as expensive, and I know that it's very very expensive, extremely expensive now. So yeah. if somebody can afford me, you, Manny. God bless them because they're very lucky. Because I one never wanted to put my kid. I felt like. I mean, I was offered a position when I came back from Alaska the first time, and it was it would have moved me up to being past where Jim was when he retired. Yeah, and I would have been retired now, which, <laughs> but um, 
making just as much as what he gets in re as retirement, but was planning on Danielle, mm -hmm. and I turned it down. Oh, wow. And and because in order for me to take that job, I would have just been paying pretty much half of my salary to childcare. So yeah. it you know to me, it, it it wasn't worth it because I had you know the two of them would you know would have had the two of them and to put two kids in childcare to go to work wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's I think you're resonating probably with a lot of people listening who who do do that or who have entertained that idea and then decided you know no it's not even worth it I'll just stay home yeah. and raise the kids. Yeah. It's, it's a frustrating it, place to be for a lot of people. It is. It's very frustrating. I know, and you know, like with my oldest being on sabbatical last year and income being basically less than half, if um, if she wasn't as fortunate as, as she was to have us in her wheelhouse. So we're talking about the village right now, which Mona is the village for the the families like all of her kids and the grandkids like you take on watching any of the kids like pretty much anytime even though you still work like crazy yeah well i have jim which is a uh, which is a blessing because yeah he steps up yeah i don't know how you would do all that by yourself but you're yeah you're the village a lot of people don't even have a, a grandparent of any sort to no fall back on so the options are even more limited at that point yeah. Do you think the whole the village thing is a problem now, or was it a problem when you were? I didn't have a team? village. No village. Well, I was lucky if I had a normal mother. Yeah. <laughs> I we didn't have a village. I had my grandparents, which were amazing, mm -hmm. but it, you know, and but it wasn't the same as um, what I what people what we should do today i feel like what we should do because i don't want my kids to put their kids in in daycare yeah i just don't want them to have to do that i think we all appreciate that very much i mean yeah they're only little for a short amount of time then they're in school all day and then it's like you don't get that back so yeah we're in a delicate time of because people parenting now like my age demographic hear yeah. that a lot. Like they're only little ones, appreciate the time. I know some moms resent that because it's that time is very difficult. So I think it's more about holding space for the dichotomy of it. Like it's hard, but it's also precious, and it's not something you can get back. I don't. It's easier yeah. said than done. Uh, it is. I, I mean, your 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 kids are lucky to have you in the career that you're in right now. But say that. But yeah. saying that. Even though you don't have to put them in daycare, you are with them and your nanny kid 24-7, which that in itself, I can understand the stress of that because it's yeah. like you sometimes just want to, when I, I like, I would lock myself in the bathroom if I had to make a phone call because that was the only Mm -hmm. semi-piece you would get but you really didn't because little fingers were coming under the door <laughs> you know mom what are you doing in there she's not in here you know it was like she doesn't live here anymore so 
there's that there is a stress of that and i can remember mm-hmm. when jim went to work with jesse like resenting the fact that he got to go to work and i had to stay home with this little maniac <laughs> yeah. by myself you know so i i re i resented that but then it was just like well maybe i shouldn't resent it but i i was i did in some respects because i felt like i was 24 7. i think a lot of people are probably gonna nod their heads when they listen to that part because it's it's very true yeah, yeah. and i talked to i talked to your son my husband about that um like him he jokes that he would love to stay home and raise the kids anytime. That's just not the circumstances. And then he also it like acknowledges that maybe it would be really hard and he wouldn't understand that unless you were in it, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It's all consuming. But then they go to school and then like you get some semblance of normalcy back, it seems. Yeah, you do. But then you too you have to worry like am I gonna be home in time to get them off the bus? Am I gonna be there in the morning to get them on the bus? All you the know, schedules, yeah. What if they get sick? Then I have to change my schedule around. If you don't have that village. What was work like? Say you your kid was sick and you had to stay home. Like, How did work handle that? Well, with my case, I was lucky because educational sales, mm-hmm. I was commission-based. I set my own schedules. I made my own appointments. Real estate, same thing. Mm-hmm. So I... Like, I was able to work around schedules. So, you know, did it mean that on on some nights I was working until midnight? It did. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, you did whatever you have to do. I think most, I think all parents do whatever they have to do. I mean, people used to say to me, and I would just look at them like, like, how do you do it with four kids? And I would just be like, you do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And and then until you get them to where they need to be. And then and then you nobody is a perfect parent. That's the thing. We're not perfect. We all make mistakes. We all do things we shouldn't do. But at the end of the day, when you see what you've eventually raised mm-hmm. and you see that they're successful and they're in good relationships and they have beautiful, amazing gifts in their lives that you've you've done something right even though you didn't do it all right Mm -hmm. and any household that says they don't get angry they don't throw things they don't swear they don't (laughs) reprimand kids they're lying because Mm -hmm. there is no such thing as a perfect household there's not even with the whole gentle parenting movement i think people are be more mindful now but you're still gonna snap and it's okay to acknowledge that yeah yeah especially depending on the season of of life I know that my fuse was a little bit shorter when I had the baby while also taking care of the toddler and my husband went back to work after a week like just it's a lot the overstimulation as a parent especially I can like the more kids the more noise background noise all the time it is it is and the thing is is like one kid has both parents. Two kids, the toddler seems instantly big, and they're still a baby. Mm-hmm. And then three kids, that's a whole other ball game, because there isn't one for each. 
you you don't have enough hands you don't have enough hands you don't have enough patience um i i was lucky because uh, although jim worked full time on the weekends he would take them walking do whatever he had to do take them hiking you know yes um and he would come home and i would go to run to the grocery store there were wasn't a whole lot of hey let's do this together unless we had the whole slew of kids or you know he took the kids the focus was more on giving one parent a break at a time yeah the the focus was more on getting the kids through and you know like you and i had talked uh, briefly about if we could skip those high school years that would be ideal that'd be wonderful you can't though and (laughs) and those high school years it's coming it's coming and and the, the beautiful little kid that seems so easy now or maybe takes a temper tantrum or whatever they all grow differently yeah. they all do things differently um i will say girls were probably the more emotional and the harder as far as the you never knew whether they called you if they were going to be crying or laughing back on track here we we're talking about so many good things. Um, I'm realizing I'll probably have to interview you again at another point for even more wisdom. But maybe a couple of the topics that we decided to talk about here. I had a whole list that I presented to Mona and I said, pick some that you feel strongly about or that you've noticed like a big difference in. So we have a few here, and I'm sure this will go off into some side tangent, and that's fine. But we have baby gadgets, we have swaddles, we have sound machines. And I guess before I ask about these in particular, like, is there something about modern parenting now, maybe a device or a gadget or a a concept or anything like that, that you kind of envy or wish you had when you were raising kids? Um, I wish I had the sound machine, actually. I like the sound machine. Um, actually, there's adults that use the sound machine. I worried that, that it might create kids that needed that eventually to sleep with. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I, you know, I was thinking, if you have a husband that snores, man, that sound machine would be awesome to have right by your head so you don't have to beat him up in the middle of the night. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind yeah. of, that would be snores. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and also I think that it's good because if, if you have other kids in the house, you're having other noise in the house. If you have that sound machine, the baby can sleep. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the toddler could sleep. Um, you know, so those things, I wish we would have had that. Um, baby monitors that we had were like, nothing like what we have now i i do like the video monitor i you know i i think that shutting off the noise on the monitor at night is beneficial to a parent because Mm -hmm. i don't really think a mother needs that noise because i think a mother instinctively senses that baby oh yeah josh and i talk about that yeah all the time uh he'll be like uh is link up and I will, I'll be like, yeah, he is. And then he'll check the monitor and be like, oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. Or vice versa. He has that sense, too, and it's it's crazy. Yeah. it's that, that, I think, you don't really need the noise, but the monitors are great. Um, 
I, you know, I think that some of the, the things, like, I, we talked about, I hate the straight jackets. Swaddles. I <laughs> hate swaddles. Twice. I feel like you, if you are feeding this poor baby in the middle of the night, and then you are wrapping him in that swaddle, it is like equivalent to eating a full course meal and putting a big girdle on your stomach. <laughs> And, and, you know, that's what I, 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 I hate swaddles. I still have a black and white straight jacket mm -hmm. in my basement that Wilder used to wear. Oh, my goodness. I know. And I look at that thing and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember wrapping that, wrapping him in that and thinking, oh, my gosh, how do you do this, like, multiple times a night? <laughs> it's like nightmare. With him, I was definitely more anxious about it because with both of my boys, they, they rolled really early and... Maybe I can ask you this, but what was the recommendation on sleeping on the back whenever you were raising kids? Well, that's the thing. That things have changed because mm -hmm. back then it was um, sleep and put them on the stomach. And they had bumper pads. We had bumper pads and cribs. We even had their blankets on them. Mm -hmm. You know, so those things I think, I think today's way is safer. Yeah. Because all that crap's not in the crib. Exactly. Um, but, and I, I love the sleep sacks that they have now. Sleep sacks are awesome. Swaddles, no. Back then, they just swaddled them in like they do in the hospital with yeah. just a blanket, you know? And that's what we did. We just, like, used, like, a blanket and swaddled them. And then they let you know really early whether they like that or they don't like that. And, you know... Some babies don't. That's okay. There yeah. is, the recommendation now is to keep them on their back if you can till the year mark. And I well, mean, you my, know that's impossible with our kids. Yeah, but if they can get there on their own, like if they can get to their bellies on their own, you can flip them back over if you think they'll stay asleep. But you're also allowed to just let them be. Yeah, but I had early rollers, both of them, like mm -hmm. three months for both of them. And so that felt, at least with Wiley, really, really early to be doing that. Um, so I, I, yeah, I did the whole uh, trick with like the Houdini trick where you take the cloth diaper or like the burp rag and you wrap it under the arms and then put the swaddle over top of that because I was, I need to keep him on his yeah. back as long as I possibly can. And yeah. I mean, you should see how, how he sleeps in his bed with all stuffed animals, all, all different positions now. And it's wild how it changes after the year mark. But for, yeah, for baby number two, kind of was more relaxed about it. Well, but, I, I think first time parents are like, every you're taking everything but the kitchen sink with you every time you leave the house. And then <laughs> you have that second kid and you're throwing a diaper in your purse and running out the door. That's very accurate. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, that's. We didn't have, we had the carriers in the front, which were, they have all those wrap things now, which I would be clueless on. It's gotten fancy. Well, it's weird because wraps and baby wearing have been in existence since the dawn of parenting. Yeah. But at the same time, like they've gotten more, some of them are still the OG kinds, like the woven wraps are very old school and they're, they will stay the same forever. But now we have like different buckles. And I mean, I just bought a really fancy one recently. That's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a hard time figuring out how to use those. I mean, people watch tutorials on it or people like myself teach people how to 
do that kind of stuff. But I don't, do you think those kind of wraps would have been helpful when you were raising kids or were the ones that you had fine? And they the ones I had were fine. I mean, I had one that you could face them here mm -hmm. or you could flip them around. Mm -hmm. And then I had our big backpack, which we still have today. Yeah. And uh, that we would take, um, this is like the hiking you know, one. Hike. Hiking one. Yeah. Yeah. We had, we had that from the time Jessica was an infant. How, how much do you think that cost one of those wraps or I'm sorry, baby carriers cost? That carrier when we bought it in 1986 was like $85. Okay. I'm yeah. Not, but yeah. that was a hiking one, right? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's for, it's not necessarily a hiking one. I mean, we use it for hiking. It's heavy. I mean, they have much lighter ones now for hiking. Baby carriers are very expensive these days. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. For like a basic wrap, I don't know, anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks. Oh, yeah. And then for the structured carriers with all the buckles and stuff. Like 300. They mm -hmm. can cost that much, which is yeah. wild. Yeah. And ours is still good. Well, you guys take care of things really well. Yeah, too. We, well, <laughs> you do whenever you're like on one income and you're like, like you don't want to have to buy another one, that's for sure. So you buy quality versus quantity. If you've made it to this point, it means you're in the segment of this week's weird parenting moment. And I mean, I always am going to have a couple. They're probably always going to be about the toddler and... This week's one involves a tiny stuffed raccoon about the size of a grapefruit. Currently, my son's favorite stuffed animal. And he takes it in the car with us. He leaves it around the yard. He leaves it all around the house. And whenever he has lost it, he refers to it as cat. When he's playing with it, he refers to it as cat. And I realize that somewhere along the lines, he has formed such a strong association between pointed ears equals cat that I, I can't convince him that this is not a cat and in fact a raccoon like blue healers chihuahuas huskies he's starting to grasp that they're they're dogs especially if they're bigger like okay mom whatever sure that's a dog you know i think it's cactus point ears but this raccoon plush no matter what i do how i explain it i'm like maybe he's never seen a raccoon in real life like he doesn't know what that means or is so I show him raccoon videos, raccoon pictures. No, it's still a cat in his brain, and I cannot tell him otherwise. So the other day he wakes up, and he starts freaking out because he, he can't find the cat. At this point, I don't know he's talking about the raccoon, so I'm like, which cat are you talking about? We have four cats. I'm like, I don't know which one, where it is. Where it is. He's like, Mom, find it, find it. He's getting mad at me. I'm like, but I don't know which cat. Why are you looking for the cat right now? He's like, cat's in my closet. Go and look in the closet. Cat's not in the closet. And then I realized, oh, I bet he's talking about that raccoon. Because he starts saying, it's in the car. And I realized, like, there's no way in hell that he's gotten out of the car, gotten the outdoor cat into the car without me being aware of it. And I remember that he took the stuffed raccoon to preschool in the car the other day. And I'm like, oh, 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 okay. I'm like, honey, the raccoon, the raccoon, I'm pretty sure is what you're talking about. It's on the kitchen table. He's like, no, mom, it's the cat. Where's the cat? I'm like, just go to the kitchen table. It's it's on the table. So he goes over. <laughs> he grabs a stuffed raccoon. 
and he's as happy as can be and continues on playing with whatever he was doing in the first place. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Do you think that has changed with parenting over the last couple of decades? Uh, I think maybe it was a first time home parent and yeah. they buy more. And then, but when you become a second parent, you're like, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, second time, and you're just like, you're more, you know what you need and what you don't need. Did, did kids have as many toys? No. No. Uh uh. I had, you know, we, I made my own Play Doh. We had Play Doh. We played Play Doh all the time. (laughs) Um, no, they didn't. Books. Um, puzzles, coloring, stuff that kids like like to do still. Yes. You know, um, baking, uh, which was sometimes a mess. But, hey, yeah, they all did that. They all helped with that. I didn't have, I remember um, one of my kids saying to me, <laughs> when I was working, when I went back to work, then that was the time when Game Boys were coming out, and that particular, he got a Game Boy for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to take him to the doctor for something, and he's sitting there on the thing. And now, mind you, he was maybe six years old, five years old. He's sitting on there, and he's playing his little Game Boy. And he goes, I don't like that you went back to work. And I said, uh See that Game Boy that you're playing with? You wouldn't have it if I didn't go back to work. Ooh. And he just flipped it. You know. That probably stung for you to hear too because it did. you didn't want to go back. It to did. Work. And then um my but my oldest, she just said to me, I liked when you went back to work because now we have more than one pair of shoes. <laughs> But then when I was working two jobs, one of my daughters said to me, which really hurt because that was the daughter that was always mindful and tried never to be hurtful. Um, I feel like you're never here for me anymore because you're always working. Oh, that's hard. That is hard. A heartbreaking one to hear. That That is hard. but But it was not it was it wasn't true it was just how she was feeling at that particular time because what we talked about bullying yeah yeah and and so when you're going through that you've got to lash out to somebody that you know is going to accept it and not lash back kids especially when they get to the elementary age and older because i've nannied some in that age range they're, the things they say are sharp, and they are. They they know how to hit you where it hurts. Sometimes. They do. Like they, they just do. know what to say, and they also don't have a filter. So when they are saying something that's like really honest, it, it can be really hurtful because it one you know it it's can. honest. It can. And uh, you know, I, I think that you can be the best parent or or be the most cautious parent around, like meet all of their friends parents and all of that but um not be perfect yeah yeah did people do the very niche kind of parenting styles when you were raising kids something some that are a little bit more mainstream right now are like 
I can talk about gentle parenting, which is kind of an all-encompassing, can cover a bunch of different yeah. subsects of parenting styles. Then there's attachment parenting, which uh, can lead to some issues, I think, attachment parenting. you got to teach yeah. You gotta teach your kids that it's okay to step away mm-hmm. and be adventurous. Okay. And I think you do that. I, you know, yeah. Lee, you know, with Josh was a toddler uh-huh. when he was like three. When we drove, we had just driven back from Alaska. He was very attached. Yeah. And didn't want anyone to touch him other mm-hmm. than us. So it was hard to get him to go over to the next hurdle. How do you think is a, a good way to support a kid that is maybe struggling with something like um, separation anxiety is kind of what that sounded like. Yeah, it was separation anxiety. I mean, I think, you know, moving and doing that kind of transition only aspirated it, you know. So he um, he just outgrew it, you know. It just, yeah. it just wasn't, I mean, it was there for like, six months and then it was it wasn't for context uh mona is talking about living in alaska for a bit yes you lived there twice Twice. yep and my husband was around for one of those times he was there for the second time he was 19 months when we moved up the second time and he was just shy of three when he drove back with his dad cross country such a big yeah such a big adjustment for everybody. Yeah, a very, very big adjustment. And so that was that was hard. So coming back um, when you're three and then seeing people you've never met before mm-hmm. um, was, an, it was an adjustment for him. But he got, he got past it pretty quickly. So, Matt, we should probably get around to talking about, because it seems like we're heading in that direction with some of our conversation is social media. And you you were parenting when that kind of came into existence or when it was, is that something you saw all of how it did each of your kids, even though they were probably a bit older when they got on social media, like teenagers, right? I did see how it affected them. But, you know, it wasn't as bad as it is nowadays because now there's so many different platforms of social media. Back then, it was just Facebook. Yeah. But even Facebook, I actually friended every one of my kids so I could spy on them on Facebook. But they had to friend me. Otherwise, college would have been a lot more expensive for them. So Mm -hmm. I had them friend me. And, uh, you know, nowadays people don't think anything about their fifth grader having a Facebook account. Yeah, and, and there was MySpace back then too. And yeah, MySpace. Yeah, and and nowadays they start so much younger, which leads them. The, I'm sorry, a fifth grader. While you may think they are super intelligent and knowledgeable, um, they're not. They say and do dumb things, just like us adults say and do dumb things. But that I think that starting them so young leaves them open to pedophiles online mm-hmm. um, also leaves them open to the more more anonymous types of bullying yeah which uh, I don't know what it was like when you were in school but I know that that bullying with those girls started in fifth grade 
and and it yeah even their friends in in high school uh, were turnarounds you know like I've nannied I've nannied some younger little girls um like early early elementary age and some of the comments they came home with about like how their bodies looked or what clothes they were wearing like it starts very early and it's a, it's sad yeah I and I imagine that social media and comparing the best angles and photos of yourself to other other people's images uh it's it probably only exacerbates how a kid might be feeling yeah because yeah. people really honestly when you think about it when somebody posts their own stuff on facebook do you think they're very really posting anything bad that happens in their lives no they're posting like we're the happiest family around well i'm sorry nobody's the, the happiest reel. family around there's yeah there's that's not realistic there are big um cases and big uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There was something that came out recently about somebody who was on social media and they were a huge influencer uh, yeah. and they were doing horrible things to the kids and now they are facing years and years in prison, et cetera. And like that stuff is not super uncommon. No. It's, it's dangerous not. for people to be able to only post the good things because then you're comparing. And I, as, a mo- as a mother, as a mom, like you didn't have – the mom social media to compare your experience with no. who who were people comparing themselves with then when in the 90s i guess oh people in magazines because all those magazines were all touch-ups but you don't think that back then mm. and then you think like oh i gotta put cellulite on my legs oh god i'm the ugliest person going so i you know I wasn't one of those people that always had like this, oh, let me put on a bikini and feel comfortable kind of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew that, uh, I mean, I, I had a lot of friends. I was popular, but I, mm-hmm. but I was also the one that took the unpopular kids and dragged them along with me How about just that? because. Yeah, and, you know, I ran into Paul. Uh, years ago in, in Westview, he was a friend of my cousin's, and, and he goes, Paul Baca, he said, you literally saved my life. Because he was this, like, what they would call geeky-looking kid and super smart in high mm-hmm. school who had pants up, you know, mid-thighs <laughs> or, or mid-calves. Oh, that's called flight. And, and um, yeah, and he would walk home from school, and people, kids would pick on him, so... I would walk home from school with him. This was in high school, mm-hmm. mind you. This was in high school. Uh, and and then they kind of stopped picking on him. He, he just needed somebody. Said, he just needed somebody to, like, pull him out of that corner. And then he became, he, you know, then he didn't care mm-hmm. so much because uh, he actually had somebody. I, I think we all hope that our kids will grow up to be somebody that does that. Like, even I do affirmations with Wiley before we leave for preschool in the morning, yeah. and he loves it. He looks forward to it. We look in the little mirror, and I tell him to repeat after me, and he doesn't, but he has this goofy grin, and I say, I'm going to include other people today. Yeah, that's good. I think it's something that, do you think that was instilled into you, or you just took it upon yourself? That was not instilled into me. I had a very tumultuous childhood uh it was not like 
your typical family kind of upbringing mm-hmm. and 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 so i mean i i in i would say from the time i was in school until the time i graduated i moved 19 times That's there wasn't cool. anything stable about my home life that would ever have made me um be kind to somebody you know yeah. i did have my grandfather i did have my grandmother but um they weren't like your st- stable part of your home life yeah um, it, i think it came more like there were seven of us and so there were like three girls in one room three boys in the other in another room and then another one somewhere else and you we had a lot of siblings yeah yeah did we fight yeah we fought but we were cohesive hmm. bunch so um, you learn it from that you know it's uh, I don't know I was just I was very fortunate when I was in when I was in school and thankfully my kids are the same that school came pretty easy to me mm-hmm. so yeah. um, you know and and so that in that respect I was I was fortunate plus I was because I talked to everybody I was pretty popular in school and as far as talking to people and which I do now that's all I do is talk your to people. son is the same way I'm just laughing <laughs> at exactly that. <laughs> it is it's like and, and my husband made a made a comment one time when we were in Virginia Beach um, and we stopped at a subway to, to get food for a guy that was living on a sidewalk yeah and I he goes and I went over gave him his food and I'm talking to him and he's like you could talk to anyone and they're instantly your friends that guy doesn't know you from adam you know and i'm like well you know that's that's the way you should be that's the way you should be because that person isn't any isn't is just in a bad situation they're they're not you're not any better than them hmm. love that that's very true well i mean when we were when i was growing up um, yeah. We were extremely poor, mm-hmm. extremely poor, but we didn't know it because you're kids. You don't really know that. Right. But um, we existed from food banks. And back then it wasn't anything like the food you get from food bank. Now you'd get big government cheese and milk and white bread and oatmeal and cornmeal mush and um, spam. Mm-hmm. You know, it was not anything like what what the food banks are now Uh, but you you didn't know it you didn't really care about it you just knew that you know you were sharing clothes with your sister because that's what it had to be yeah you know and um so consequently you work when you're very very young i believe it i babysat when i was 10 10 wow yeah and nowadays, that's not even legal. Whether it was legal back then or not, I don't know, but I did it. I babysat when I was 10, 11, and 12. And when I was 13, my sister worked at a pizza shop in Bellevue. And they hired me under the table for yes. fifty an hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> and there was no plug this into the, the cash register, and it's going to spit back the total and and whatever change you got to give somebody. Oh, no, you had to We had to figure that out ourselves. Mm. So just 
different times. I think today our kids have it better in that respect. Yeah. But they also have more, like, you know, at least with you guys, you, you, you can pull from a better parental base than what I could pull from. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very fortunate and lucky. So. Very good example of didn't have a great childhood and so worked really hard to make your kid's childhood better. Better. Yeah. I said my kids will never go through what I went through. And you, yeah, and you, you meant it. You, I don't, as long as I've known Mona, she's worked her ass off. And there have been times where I've been supported by her as well, like college, end of college kind of thing. Um, yeah. A woman with a very good heart. <laughs> so sweet. I know. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to get sad over here. But um, okay. We can we can end on a high note. We talked about a lot of a lot of really good things that we could probably go on forever about. I think that you're probably a great person to ask this. I'm going to ask all of my guests on here, but if you could give any piece of advice to today's parents, what would it be? Take the wins. Take the small wins and don't kill yourself or kick yourself over the failures hmm. because every day it's going to be a win or a failure all through the day. And it doesn't, it doesn't end as your kids it aren't end. little anymore. No, it's still my kids leave when they drive away out of my driveway. I'm standing in the, in the window saying, keep them safe. Hmm. Beautifully said. All right, well, I'm going to say thank you for joining me and spending this time with me and letting me pick your brain a little bit about parenting things. I hope that everybody listening to this can take a few gems of wisdom from Mona. She obviously has a lot of space to stand on as far as parenting and uh, the things that she practices in her household and a good inspiration to draw from, really. So thank you for listening.